Hallelujah. I'll open up in prayer, but those of you who brought your Bibles, I would ask you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. We will begin uh, in the 11th verse. Um, I'll read verses 11 through 19, and then I will say a brief prayer, and we'll get started in today's message. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and Give praise to God, except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we are filled with gratitude and praise and thanksgiving, Lord, uh, for how you have already moved and worked in our hearts, oh God. Thank you that you revealed yourself to us, Lord. Thank you that Jesus was made to be the Lamb of God that took away our sins, who went to the cross in our place, suffered the sin debt that was ours, so that in him we might be made the righteousness of God. And so, Lord, we are filled with thanksgiving. We are filled with rejoicing because, Father, we know that this place on earth is not our end. There is a place that Jesus prepared for us that where he is, we will be also, and we will be with him forever. Amen. We've already overcome this world in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, as the word of God goes forth, I praise you and thank you, Father God, that you have prepared our hearts to receive your word in the good soil, that it might bear fruit in our lives that brings glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 17, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to be betrayed. He's on his way to suffer, bleed, and die for the sins of the world, for your sins and for mine. And on the way, the Bible says here that he chose to pass along between Samaria in Galilee, that's not a path that a typical Jew, Hebrew would take because there were hostilities between Samaritans and Jews. Hostilities, they would not walk through. They would go across the Jordan and go around rather than to go through, but not Jesus. Jesus decides he's going to go right through, right along the border between Samaria and Galilee. He's about to do something that's not just for the Jews. Yeah. 
He's about to do something that is for all mankind. He's about to go to the cross for everybody. And he's walking in an area that someone of his lineage or someone of his nationality would not walk in that day. And he's doing it on purpose. But regardless, he's walking. And while he is walking, notice, while he's walking, all of a sudden, these voices fill the air. I don't know how they know him. Because you see, the Bible says they were lepers. And one of the worst things you could have, if not the worst, was leprosy. We went crazy a couple years ago when we had to isolate because of COVID. Right? And that was just to save lives. That was just to try and uh, get a hold of this thing that was spreading while we tried to figure it out. But imagine how bad that was and how difficult it was to get everybody on one accord there. Imagine if you will, having a condition for which there is no cure, sores on your skins that emanate this foul and ugly look, foul stench and this ugliness, and it is contagious. And if you were found to have leprosy, you had to separate from your, you had to get out of your home. You had to separate from your family. You had to occupy leper, a leper colony. The only people you could hang around were other lepers outside the city. And if by chance there was a risk for someone who didn't know you had leprosy uh, to cross paths with you, you were obligated by law before they ever got it close enough where there was risk for that contagion to spread, you had to yell, unclean, unclean. So you were ostracized from your family, from your church, from your society. You couldn't hang around anyone except those who were afflicted with the same disease that you were. Could you imagine a life like that where you're not accepted anywhere except on the outskirts with people who are as diseased as you are. I don't know how they recognized him. Maybe, maybe the people who had already encountered him painted such a vivid picture of who he was that anyone who saw him passing by could recognize him and say, that's Jesus. Maybe there was a crowd following behind him and they were calling out his name. People who weren't lepers, word buzzing, and they heard Jesus. Where, where? Can you, if you can put yourself in the shoes of those people, of the lepers, these 10 guys, or I don't know, I assume they're guys. I don't know if you've ever known that level of desperation, but if you have, 
then this probably is pricking your heart right now because you can probably relate to these 10 guys' existence in a deep way. They're desperate. They miss their wives. They miss their children. They miss their community. They miss their synagogues. And the Lord of glory has many paths he could have taken to get where he wanted to go, but he chose a path that took him by them. And when they noticed him, out of desperation, they cried. You can just hear Jesus. He's where, where, where? And you know, Desperation can make us throw protocol out the window. We don't care who hears us. We don't care how it looks. We, we need what we need. And nobody, there was no cure. But this man, Jesus, had done the miraculous. Maybe he can do the miraculous for us. And so they didn't want to waste this opportunity. They they, they, they stood at a distance and they lifted up their voices. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he knew what they meant. And usually Jesus, when he encountered people face to face, he spoke directly to them and said, you are healed or you are cleansed. Your faith has made you whole. He touched them and they were healed. There was a, a point of contact. Or like the woman with the issue of blood, she touched the hem of his garment. But he doesn't do that here. You know, there was another leper he healed right there on the spot. But these 10 lepers, he doesn't do that. I don't know why. Uh, you know, I'm grateful that Jesus does things different ways. Otherwise, we will focus on methodology rather than on the person who does the miracle. We will focus on process rather than the miracle worker. Amen? Amen? So Jesus can do and work a miracle in any way that he pleases. But here, he tells them to go and show yourself to the priests. Now, I won't have you go through it here, but if you are so inclined and, and, and you're curious and, 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 and you're like me, I want to know where that is in the Bible. Leviticus chapters 13 and 14, those two chapters contain the laws concerning leprosy. There's a little bit in Numbers chapter 5 as well, but, you know, you'll get the gist. And once you were declared to have leprosy, you were going to be isolated you were bound by the laws of the leper to keep yourself isolated from possibly contaminating anyone else until a priest declared you free of the leprosy. Only a priest could do that. And here is, I can't remember who I heard this from uh, the first time I heard it, 
But it struck me, and I've never forgotten it. The laws way back in Leviticus gave provision for if once someone was declared by a priest to be cleansed of leprosy, you had to show them what the leprosy used to be and that it's cleansed. They isolated you uh, for a few days just to verify that it's a complete healing. And then the uh, priest would ceremonially, a public ceremony, would declare you leprosy-free and uh, you're able to integrate back into society again. You know, God made a way. He made provision for integrating lepers back into society before there was ever a cure for leprosy. So why would you need... Why would you need that way to integrate back in when there was no cure for it? Well, it allows for the miraculous work of the Lord. God is not bound by human limitations. When God heals you, when God does what nobody else can do, God can do the impossible, right? He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. There is nothing too hard for him. And we have to get our minds around that. He is not limited by our limitations. Right? He's not limited by our limited resources. He's not limited by our limited uh, talent or intellect or whatever it is. Whatever our limitations are, let's not project those onto God. God is God. And he can do anything. Amen? And so God made a way for people to be restored and brought back who were once isolated. Who were once uh, pariahs of society. And here we have these guys encountering the one who could do the miraculous, the one who could do the impossible. But it is because of the law that Jesus told them that they needed to go present themselves to the priest. And notice, he didn't heal them right away. He gave them a command. Go, show yourself to the priest. That means they went in obedience. But when they went, they weren't healed. They were healed as they were obeying. They went, they got healed as they were on their way to the priest. You know, and there comes a time when we got to obey God before we see the miracle. Right? When God, God's word is truth. God's word is what we, is, is life. We need to be obedient to the word of God. And I want to give credit to all 10 of them. All 10 of them obeyed Jesus. All 10 of them went. Something about them understood that this is not just, he's not just blowing smoke. He's not just telling us what to do. This man we cried out to told us to go present himself. Even though we still got leprosy, we're going to obey him because we expect we expect that that command means something that's going to turn out for our good. 
Can we give God the benefit of the doubt? When it comes to that, can, can, can his word be true even if our circumstances are, are, are not ideal, even if our circumstances aren't what we want them to be? Can he still be true? Instead of us believing that God isn't hearing us or that God has denied us what, he, uh, what, what we've asked him for, uh, can we allow for the possibility that he's going to work it out a different way and that it may take a little bit longer than what we would like, but if it's God's will, he's going to make it happen and he's going to do it in his own time. And will, and, and, and will we hang in there in faith, trusting in the character of our God, knowing that he will not abandon us? He will not leave us confounded. He will not leave us orphans. He will not leave us in the lurch, as they say. It's not the character of our God to do that. Amen? So we can take his word to the bank and we can go in obedience with God, knowing that he's for us and that he loves us. And, and we can be like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's like, you know what? Our God can heal us. Our God can stop us from being destroyed in that fire. But even if he doesn't, I won't bow the knee. Because even if I perish in that fire, it doesn't change the truth of what I know. I know God. He alone is God. He is my salvation. He is my deliverer. There's no other God but him. And regardless of what my circumstances are, regardless of how I feel, that truth will never change. He can save me from certain circumstances. And I'm not sure um, if he will or not, but he's already saved me eternally. And there is nothing a devil from hell can do about that. There is nothing anyone on this earth can do about that because, you know, our eternal salvation is secure in Christ. Amen? Amen. So they took his word and they went. And can you imagine, as they are walking to present themselves to the priest, their swords are leaving. <laughs> the healing is taking place. They're walking in obedience to God and, and the healing is taking place. They're excited. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that all 10 of them were, were thankful. All 10 of them were grateful all 10 of them were excited. They got from Jesus what they cried out for. And they're all just, they're, they're brimming with excitement that they're going to be able to see their spouses again. They're going to be able to be with their families again. They're going to be able to be in their community and interact and not be pariahs anymore. None of them were so enamored. They were so filled with excitement. It wasn't that they weren't grateful. They were obeying Jesus. They just stayed. They continued on their journey to go to the priest. But there was one. 
who was just, excited, just as excited as the other nine, just as grateful as the other nine was for what Jesus had done for them. But he stopped. And I can just imagine him saying, you know what? I got, I'm going to obey Jesus. I'm, I'm obeying Jesus. I got all day to go meet the priest. But I'm already healed before I even got there. I'm not just thankful that I'm healed. I'm thankful for the one who cared enough. Who saw me in the depth of my depravity and took the time. to intervene in my situation. He took the time. I'm healed. Yeah, I can be happy about healed, but how did I get this way? I can't go to the priest without first going to the one who healed me. You know, it's one thing to be grateful. It's another thing to express that gratitude. It's another thing to be thankful. It's another thing to go to that person and say, thank you. I can love my wife, but if I never tell her that, you know, how effective is that love in getting across? Right? And so this man remembered Jesus for he prioritized relationally what Jesus did for him. And in that moment, it mattered more to him. And I'm not going to demonize the other nine, but, you know, they just, yes, they fell short here. But Forget them. It's about him. As excited as he was to be able to get back to the life that he once had, that was secondary to acknowledging the one who made it possible. Amen? Amen? And so he went back. He saw that he was healed. He turned back, praising God with a loud voice. I love that the Bible says this because when they asked for help, it was loud. There was no healed man going and whispering to Jesus, hey, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for healing me. No, his praise was as loud as his plea for help. His thanks was as loud as his cries for help. Amen? And those of us who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, let that be true of us. Let our praise be as loud as our cries for help. Amen? Let our praises be louder than our complaints. All right? And so he turned back praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. That's why I've chosen to talk about Jesus and the grateful leper today. Because he took out the time to do what, was, what he should have done, which is give praise and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he was a Samaritan. He was one of those despised people. You just, some of y'all might remember Jesus' little encounter with the woman at the well. 
he asked for a cup of water, and she was basically, how dare you? The way you people treat us, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect you to give me a cup of water. And, you know, I'm not going to rehash the whole deal, but Jesus said, if you knew who it was asking you for a drink, you would ask me, right? And I would give you living water. After drinking, you would never thirst again. Amen? And so, but he gives him thanks loudly. He was a Samaritan, and Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, he's already been cleansed of leprosy. He's already been healed on the outside. See, it seems to be a bit redundant. When Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. We're past the leprosy now. Remember, Jesus is on his way to pay the sin debt for all mankind. Right? And it wasn't just what Jesus, you know, it wasn't just healed skin that made this man go back to Jesus. It was acknowledgement of who he is. And remember, he went and bowed at his feet. So he humbled himself before the Lord and acknowledged his lordship, surrendered himself to Jesus. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. You know, sin is like a, when we were lost in our sins, it, it was like a, a leprosy on the inside. He was already healed from the leprosy of the flesh He's being healed of the leprosy of the heart. And every one of us, every one of us was this leper. At one point, isolated, separate from God, lost in our sins. And we would have been in that condition and remained in that condition forever. But for God. God loved us too much not to make a way for us to be redeemed. Amen? And again, when you think about all, when you think, once you will keep yourself in constant remembrance of that, then you can see how it's possible for us to give thanks in all things, like the scripture says. Right? Because there's always that as a reason to be thankful and grateful to God. Are you hearing me today? So the leper not only got cleansed on the outside, he got cleansed on the inside as he came back in humility and acknowledged the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want to, you to go to Romans chapter 1. Verses 18 to 21, concerning the ungodly and the unrighteous, uh, Romans 1, 18 through 21 tells us that for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. <laughs> 
You know, I'm going to continue here, but I want to stop there. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Why is it so important for us to yield our members to righteousness and not unrighteousness? To When we engage in unrighteousness or ungodliness, it's, it suppresses the truth. It puts a, a, a lampshade over our light. The glorious gospel, the purity, the beauty of it gets tainted when it's mixed in with unrighteousness, especially to those who don't know the Lord. Amen? So ungodliness and unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Now, he's talking about the, the, those who haven't given their hearts to the Lord yet, but I'll, I'll make it tie in. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So even the unrighteous, the unsaved, those who don't know the Lord are without excuse. So when the day of the Lord comes, there will be no excuse that I didn't know. My family wasn't a church-going family. I didn't know. God put things in nature to make it obvious that this stuff didn't happen by some explosion. That this universe... This solar system, this planet, the skies, heavens, everything that you see is by divine design. There had to have been a creator. We can deceive ourselves otherwise, but the truth remains the truth. And it is so obvious. God made it so obvious that you could just observe. You don't need a preacher. You could observe. And with an honest heart, you can reach the conclusion, I may not know that God, but there's a God somewhere because only by divine, by the divine will of God, of a God can these things be. They're without excuse. Then it talks, give us a couple of characteristics about them, the ungodly and the unrighteous. They're without excuse for although they knew God or knew of God or even acknowledging that there is a God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So it is a characteristic of the ungodly and the unrighteous, even if they acknowledge that, okay, I'll give you the possibility there is a God. But it's a characteristic of them to not honor him as God and to not give thanks to him. And he says that they are without excuse. Now, if the unrighteous are without excuse, how much more are we who are declared righteous, those of us who are of the beloved, those of us who have tasted and seen that he is good, how much more without excuse are we to fail to give thanks to the God that we know? 
to the God who's already showered his grace, his mercy, his love upon us. So in this story about the 10 lepers who encountered Jesus, as believers, let us be like the one that came back. Let us be the one that's not too focused on where we're trying to go that we forget to take time to bow before the Lord and give him thanks for what he's done. Let us not be too busy to get in the presence of our God. And continually express our gratitude for who he is and what he's done for us. Don't be like the nine lepers. Yeah, everybody obeyed and went toward the priest, but only one came back to say, thank you, Jesus. It may be a characteristic of the unbelievers not to give gratitude or thanks to God, but let that never be a characteristic of believers. That's not taken for granted. He's too good. The Bible says that even when we're not faithful, he remains faithful. He's too faithful to us. He loves us too much. And I know life gets hard. I don't know what everybody's going through. Um, many of y'all know that I've you know, suffered another loss in my family and I'll be back in Texas Friday uh, for another funeral. And uh, I was talking to my Aunt Linda the other day. Um, she had the girl anointing like me and my wife Christy do. She had four girls, we have four girls. Um, but my Aunt Linda is just about to bury the second of her four girls. And as a parent, I don't know and hope I never know that pain. But um, the daughter she just lost is my cousin Rachel. And um, you know, uh, <clears throat> as we were talking about her life and you know, grief grief-stricken, and I'm there trying to comfort and console my aunt over the phone and feeling inadequate to the task. <laughs> we got to talking about how improbable, you know, Rachel lived and be nearly 50 years old. She was born with sickle cell. And I couldn't help but remember the things that the doctor said that uh, told Aunt Linda the things she would never be able to do. They did not expect her, you know, they told her to prepare herself. She may not make it to elementary school age. And if she makes it there, she may not, she will unlikely make it to adulthood. And even if she makes it there, she won't be able to have children. You know, God gave us half a century with her. All the things that the doctor said she wouldn't do, she became a mother. <laughs> uh, 
you know, uh, it just, it's, on the one hand, we're sad that she's, you know, been taken away from us, but in it, I found the ability to be grateful to God for the life that we got to, the life of hers that we got. He gave her way more life than man thought possible. And then I thought again, uh, cancer ultimately took her. Um, but she lived a life in pain her entire existence. She's one of the strongest fighters that I ever knew. And man I managed to be grateful to God that her pain has ceased and that she's in his arms. And there's no more pain or sickness or death in heaven where she is. Amen? And so it's oftentimes, I'm, I'm saying this, it's oftentimes it's hard to see the thank you, God, in situations, in rough, painful, difficult situations. It's sometimes difficult to see the reason to say thank you, God. But I found that there is always a reason to say thank you. God didn't give us more years with her, but we're thankful for the years he gave us. Maybe the doctors could have been right. Maybe she, you know, if the doctors were right, we would have never got to know her the way we know her. And um, so many people that she's blessed, the mark that she left in this life would not have been left. <laughs> and so, so uh, I don't know if that is, uh, I hope that's in some way an encouragement to you if you are going through a difficult situation or have recently lost someone that uh, I know that if you just take it to the Lord, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, if you just take it to the Lord, do like the one leper and just humble yourself before him. God will minister to you in that place. And part of that, uh, the work of the Lord in you will be to bring you into remembrance of those things that will make you smile. Those moments that you had that makes life worth the living. <laughs> Amen. Um, you know, those, those blessings that, were, that you took for granted along the way, all of a sudden they pop in your mind. And you're like, God, I'm grateful. Thank you for what you've done. And, and it gets you to that point to where you can say, okay, God, she could be in no better place than she is right now because she's with you. And I hope that's in some way an encouragement to you. And so I have a few scriptures I want to con uh, close with this, this morning. Um, one of the best praisers uh, in the Bible is David. Psalm 7, verse 17, he says, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the most high. You see, his righteousness is due thanks. Regardless, his holiness, his righteousness, right? Who he is, he is due thanks. I love that David said that. 
David in Psalm 28, verses 6 through 9 says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. Sounds like 10 guys we know, right? These 10 lepers. We started off with 10 lepers who pleaded for mercy. David can relate to them. He said, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. Man, this verse will help you. I'm telling you. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. Hallelujah. My heart exalts, and with my song I give what? Thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. And God has answered that prayer through Jesus. He is our great shepherd. He carries us forever. Amen? But he, he says, my heart trusts in God and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song, I give thanks to him. Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5 say, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. How many generations? All, all generations. Right? These are reasons to be thankful. God is faithful. His steadfast love endures forever. There's nothing you can do to make God not love you. Are you hearing me? He is faithful. And thank God, his faithfulness doesn't depend on our faithfulness. I would have ruined that deal a thousand times over a long time ago. Right? Thank God he's, he's faithful. That's, that's his character. That's his nature. That's who he is. He's faithful. So we don't need to be doubting in any way his love for us or the fact that he's for us or, you know, or that he's going to fulfill his promises to us. Amen? And because of those psalms that I just read, it kind of makes... The last verse I have, 1 Thessalonians 5, it's really 18, but I'll read verses 16 through 18. It makes it easier to, to process and, and, and to embrace. It says, rejoice. How often? Man, that's not an easy one right there. Heck, I was just watching the game last night, and I, gave, I was not rejoicing always <laughs> during that game. I'm just going to, full disclosure, I was, not <laughs> I was not rejoicing always. But God, <laughs> God was merciful to me. I'm, I'm a work in progress. Pray for me. Uh, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Here's a... Give thanks 
In how many circumstances? In all circumstances. That means in every circumstance, there is a reason to give thanks. That's not a hard message to hear. But it's not my message, it's God's message. I, I didn't write this Bible. You know, this is, you know, <laughs> this, came, this came directly from God. This is God inspired. Amen? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And here, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Right? Everybody wants to know God's will. What is it, what, how, how do I conquer the world? How do I do this and, and do that for God? You know, we want to know the will of stuff that we can do. And it's like, well, first of all, here's what we know God's will is for everybody. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. See, because whatever God has for us to do, it starts with who we are in him, right? It starts with the relationship that we have with him because whatever he's called us to do, it's going to be a journey that we walk out with him. We can't do it without him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We are but the branches. He is divine. Amen? Amen. And really what it's taught, it's reminding us to be like the one leper. Rejoice always. That doesn't mean, it, it can't mean it's based on circumstances. Because, because some circumstances are easy to rejoice in. If, if, we got our, if we got it from circumstances, that's an impossible scripture. Because some circumstances are worth rejoicing over and some circumstances are not. So obviously our rejoicing is going to have to be rooted in something else or someone else. That's one of the things that David makes clear. He's one of the most powerful men in the world. He's the, he's the king of Israel. He is the anointed of God. And yet, he did not forget the God who put him there. He did not forget who he belonged to. He did not forget to give praise and glory to God. And as a matter of fact, and he was not without fault. You know, I'm telling you, I was one of those boys that uh, grew up. Many of y'all know the story. My grandmother on my maternal side, big mama, she had 12 kids. Ten of them were girls, so I had lots of aunts. We had an ant problem. Should have called pest control, huh? <laughs> we had one TV in the living room. And I, and, and I had no control whatsoever because they called them stories, but they were uh, soap, soap, yeah, they called soap opera stories and so forth. And it'd be one thing if they watched one soap opera. 
But no, one soap opera would end, another one, another one. They knew all the characters, all the stories. It was, and and I probably had to wait till about 4:30 or so before I could watch uh, my cartoons and stuff. <laughs> but there was always drama in these soap operas and everything. I even learned some of the characters and so forth. I started watching the doggone things. <laughs> <laughs> but I struggled when uh, I felt the Lord calling me. And, um, you know, I, I struggled with the sin of my life, my background, whether God would really accept me and this or that and the other. And I stumbled along the story, uh, heard it preached, and so I was intrigued and started reading. And the more I read about David, God used David to help me settle the issue of whether God would accept me. Because once I read, his life was a soap opera. That's what it was. His life was a soap opera. I mean, he took another man's wife. He had him killed, uh, put him out on the front lines and everything. I mean, he had, and then his life after that in his family was just a wreck. You know, things were going on and uh, sons rebelling and everything. I mean, his life was a soap opera. But I was like, man, as bad as I am, you know, I haven't done the adult, I haven't committed adultery, I haven't had another woman's husband killed and so forth. I said, okay, well, maybe. And, and then the thing that confused me was I had heard David was a man after God's own heart. Then I saw the scripture, and then I was conflicted. How could a man be a man after God's own heart who did all this? Right? It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, this is something else. I mean, I had a lot to learn. Uh, but at the very least, it, it, it let me know that God was merciful. And it helped. How God somehow used David in learning about his story and the way he was working in my life to help me get to the point to where I could stop projecting onto God this attitude of he would never accept someone like me. And um, and eventually God broke through and I um, gave my heart to the Lord. And <laughs> It, it was completely a work of the Lord because I was not looking for God when God got a hold of my life. But Big Mama never stopped praying for her grandson. My mama never stopped praying for her son. And unbeknownst to me, that pray without ceasing stuff, that stuff works. <laughs> Because God eventually got a hold of me. When he got a hold of me, uh, he really began to transform my life and blew my mind when uh, he interrupted my life for, in order to let me know that he had a different vision and plan for my life than I had for myself. And that's a whole other story in and of itself. But... Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, even if you have a child or a grandchild. 
that seems like they will never get it. They're just not open and you're, you're, you're fearful and despairing that, that they might end up in hell because they're, they seem to be close to you. I hope you let the man standing before you today who is the fruit of praying without ceasing be an encouragement to you that God hears your prayers. Your circumstance may seem bleak, but nothing is impossible with God. Your limitations are not his, and God is working even when it doesn't look like it. Amen? So keep praying. Keep rejoicing. And continue to give thanks to God in all circumstances, especially in those circumstances that you are anxious about, that you're struggling with, that you're fearful of a certain outcome. Give thanks to God for who he is. Give thanks to God for what he's demonstrated himself to be. He's faithful, and he will see you through. Amen? I'm going to ask you all to stand. I know, <clears throat> hallelujah, and I'm just going to, I'm going to ask you all to make your way up to the front. It's not just a, an altar call. I'm just asking you all to make your way up to the front, and I want you to, The leper, the grateful leper, he came back to Jesus. He didn't have his leprosy anymore. But he had gratitude in his heart. And I just want you to stand there. I'm not going to lay hands on you or anything today. I just, this is just you. It's in my mind. I just had it to have everybody come up. And each and every one of you represent. You have your own, out of the 10 lepers, you each are the one. And you're coming up here. I've asked you to come up here so that you represent that one that came to God, that came to Jesus. To humble yourself before him and to give him thanks for what he's done. And so I want to give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you've already been healed. Maybe you've already, you know, the work on the outside has already been done, but there is still a work to be done on the inside. And so you're taking out this time to thank the Lord, that the Lord might tell you that your faith has made you well. What has the miracle that has transpired on the outside 
It's now taking place on the inside. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm going to give you a couple minutes to just do business with God where you're at. And whatever that is, whatever that, whatever the leprosy in this story represents for you, whatever that substitute is, you take a moment with God. Let him minister to you.